Father, thank you for uh, just a time to gather tonight, and we're grateful for the, uh, the simplicity uh, of the opportunity to, to praise in the way that we have. Father, we love the sense and the power of your spirit uh, among us, uh, and then Father, we thank you uh, just for the gift that this season is in so many ways. Uh, and God, I, I thank you that uh, we have the opportunity in the midst of uh, a number of things that are fun to do, uh, to do the thing uh, that's the most meaningful uh, and to get our eyes centered and focused on you. And I pray, Jesus, that as we do that, that everything else we do with family, with friends, uh, eating, gift exchanging, that we can enjoy that. Uh, as a reflection of the beauty of who you are uh, and, God, what you do. Uh, and so we just thank you and pray uh, that the rest of these minutes that we have together uh, would be glorifying to you uh, and would be honoring to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we just sang, uh, what child is this? And uh, e each time that a child enters into the world, uh, someone's family tree expands. Uh, and on March 27th uh, of this year, uh, my family tree expanded. Uh, when Miles Andrew Sawyers uh, burst onto the scene, uh, there were a couple of midwives that were present. Uh, my daughter-in-law's mom and dad were there. Lisa and I were there. Andrew's brother, Barrett, was there. A couple of friends were there. We were in a strange house. It was a, a midwife's house. Uh, so it was a house that was unfamiliar to us. Uh, and yet, uh, there was just incredible excitement uh, as this little boy uh, came on to the scene. Uh, we have cherished uh, every moment with him. And we have lingered on things about him. We look forward to getting pictures of him. We love taking pictures of him. And then we love looking and, you know, kind of dialing in and looking at the different features and, uh, of him and what's he doing and how he's developing. And, and these are some of those pictures. I just thought it would be a good night for you to see <laughs> my grandson. There's, there's one, and that was just down the street here at Hall's. By the way, brilliant business plan, that pumpkin patch, by the way. So uh, kudos to those guys. Uh, there's his dad, uh, just, uh, just a gift. And then uh, there he is with his uncle, uh, and he loves his uncle. We get the best pictures with his uncle. Uh, there's his dad again. And it, somebody told me that the best part about grandparenting, and I know you're already thinking the best part is you get to give them back. We don't actually like giving them back. Uh, the best part about grandparenting is watching your son be a dad. Uh, and that is just a gift to watch. And that's my daughter-in-law, my wife. And I, I can't tell you and, and begin to, to be able to describe the expression on my wife's face, whenever that little boy's name comes up. 
and the excitement of a picture, it has not waned in nine months. And we just, we cherish, we love it, we have conversations about him, we're watching his personality develop, and we wonder what he's going to be like. And we're starting to get glimpses, and and we look forward to that day when we know more and more. We'll just enjoy each one as they come. Now, it's easy for me to say this, the reality is each one of you can identify with what I just did. There are kids of all ages in this room, some small, some grown, some you, you lingered and you cherished everything about them when they were first born, and now they're about to graduate high school or they're about to leave college or they're further out into the world, and that glimpse of what you were anticipating, hoping, who knows if it's exactly what you thought. But we all know at some point what it is to cherish, to linger, to ponder over a little baby. Well, Abraham and David, their family tree also expanded a little over 2,000 years ago. Abraham is the one that God called out and said that it will be through you that I will bring about a nation, I'll make you a people, and I'll give you a land, and you're going to be a blessing to others. And it would be through the line of Abraham, and then through King David, that Jesus Christ would be born, fulfilling the promise that God made to Abraham those thousands of years before, that 1,500 or so years before. And it was an extraordinary birth of Jesus. And yet there are only a few people present in a strange place. Matthew and Luke in our Bibles, they both record the unusual events around the birth of Jesus. Matthew actually begins with a really long genealogy, a family tree of Jesus. It includes women and men. It includes non-Jews and Jews. It includes what we would call good people, and it includes what we would call bad people. And it gives us a glimpse when that little baby is born of who will be able to be a part of Jesus's family tree in the future. It really is a good news kind of family tree, no matter what our situation or circumstances are. There are four women described in the genealogy, and there's a fifth at the very end, and the scripture tells us that it was Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. It would be through a young lady named Mary that Jesus would come into this earth. A humble young woman, willing and submitted to God himself. What what made her special was her humility and her willing surrender to God. We just heard Linus give us a little bit of the Christmas story from the scripture overhead. 
Matthew also tells this birth narrative. And I'd like to read from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, as we gather around the fire and just think about this story for a few minutes. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Just as a reminder, some people are familiar with this story. Some people are not as familiar. But in that particular era of time, engagements and weddings were a bit different than they are today. There was a period of betrothal that was similar uh, to actually being married, yet it was not yet consummated in that marriage. It was legal, and it was legally binding when they were betrothed. And so they came together, but she was found to be with child. And this should not have been because she was still a virgin. So it wasn't possible unless she had actually committed adultery. That would have been the thought of anyone in that day. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. So Joseph, he loved Mary, and yet, because of what she had done, as much as he understood, then he was going to rather than publicly disgrace her with the divorce, quietly send her away. But... When he considered this, behold, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So now an angel, it's an unusual birth. It's an extraordinary birth. Now an angel comes, intercepts his thinking and lets him know what's happened. Now I'm sure he still had to be a bit stunned. What, what does it mean she was conceived by the Holy Spirit of God? It goes on to say in verse 21, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This was the promise that the people of Israel had been waiting for, that there would be a Savior Now, now they were anticipating a Savior who would rescue them from uh, opposing governments. But that's not the kind of Savior that God sent. Because the deepest need that any of us have, and anyone had in that era, was at a heart level. And it was a rescue from sin that was the deepest and greatest need. And Jesus' very name says that He is the Savior. He's the hope that will bring salvation. Now, all this took place, verse 22, to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So this is a fulfillment of prophecy. There's so much loaded up here in these few verses that make this such an extraordinary birth, and it's the fulfillment of over a 700-year prophecy. And not only is he Jesus who will take away the sins of the world, he's Emmanuel, he's God with us. He's not an ordinary prophet. He is God himself entered into our world. And Joseph awoke from his sleep, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin 
until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I love the simplicity of being around a fire. And I love the simplicity of this story. This is what happened. This is what God said to Joseph. He did it. Just simple obedience. He didn't complicate it. He's listened to God and did it. Mary was the same. They both listened to what God wanted and they did it. That's all. They simply did what he asked. In Luke chapter 2, we heard Linus, as I said, read a portion of this birth story. And there's some other people that come on the scene. When Miles was born, our grandson, there were a few of us on the scene. And when Jesus was born, there were a few people that came onto the scene. There was the mom and the dad. And then in order for other people to join in, another extraordinary thing happened. And an angel appears to these shepherds. And they tell them there is good news. For today in the city of David, Bethlehem, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's good news that a Savior has been born. And glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he's pleased. And there are multitudes of angels that were praising and bringing glory to him. And the shepherds. It's just the simplicity of the story. What did the shepherds do? In a hurry, they took off to Jesus as fast as they could get to him. They just simply responded to what it was that God was doing. And in verse 19, Linus didn't read this to us. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And that's what I want us to keep thinking about tonight is is pondering and cherishing and lingering on Jesus. And for those of you that are moms, you listened to everything that was said about your child when they were born. And you still do. You hear every word, no matter how old your child is today. And some of those things you listen and you wonder and you're blown away that this would be my child. And you treasure and you ponder those good things that are said. That's what was happening in this moment. They were, she was treasuring this. So now the shepherds had come onto the scene. But it was months later before the Magi, the wise men, would actually come on the scene. It wasn't that night. It was a while back. And actually, we know from the star in the east and the things that track and how the wise men from the east came, 
and arrived at the place where the child Jesus was born, that star that led them, that, that had to be some fascinating nights under the stars. But we know that that's probably what gives us this December time frame for Christmas. So a few more people came. These guys just simply followed. It wasn't complicated for them. These were bright men. They were enamored by this child they were going to see. And they brought gifts for the child. And they rejoiced and they worshipped. Do you know that's what people do when somebody's worth it? They worship them. And they believe Jesus was worth worshipping. What becomes of this one then that's born in the midst of extraordinary circumstances? What happens? With him. Now we're familiar with some of those things. Some of us are. Again, some may not be. But I, someone brought this book this week. I'd read it a while back, and I just want to read us a story, if that would be okay, of another way to think about what Mary might have been pondering and treasuring and lingering on and wondering what would become. Of her child. It's called The Tale of Three Trees. You may have this book, you may have read this book. It's worth reading time and time again. We have children in the room, thought it'd be good to read a book. Once upon a mountaintop, three little trees stood and dreamed of what they wanted to become when they grew up. The first little tree looked up at the stars, twinkling like diamonds above him. I want to hold treasure, he said. I I want to be covered with gold and filled with precious stones. I will be the most beautiful treasure chest in the world. The second little tree looked out at the small stream trickling by on its way to the ocean. I want to be a strong sailing ship, he said. I want to travel mighty waters and carry powerful kings. I will be the strongest ship in the world. The third little tree looked down into the valley below where busy men and busy women worked in a busy town. I don't want to leave this mountaintop at all, she said. I want to grow so tall that when people stop to look at me, they will raise their eyes to heaven and think of God. I'll be the tallest tree in the world. Years passed, the rains came, the sun shone, and the little trees grew tall. And one day, three woodcutters climbed the mountain. The first woodcutter looked at the first tree and said, This tree's beautiful. It's perfect for me. With a swoop of his shining axe, the first tree fell. Now I shall be made into a beautiful chest, thought the first tree. I shall hold wonderful treasure. The second woodcutter looked at the second tree and said, This tree is strong. It's perfect for me. With a swoop of his shining axe, the second tree fell. Now I shall sail mighty waters, thought the second tree. I shall be a strong ship fit for kings. The third tree felt her heart sink when the last woodcutter looked her way. She stood straight and tall and pointed bravely to heaven, but the woodcutter never even looked up. Any kind of tree will do for me, he muttered. With a swoop of his shining axe, the third tree fell. 
Well, the first tree rejoiced when the woodcutter brought him to a carpenter's shop, but the busy carpenter was not thinking about treasure chests. Instead, his work-worn hands fashioned the tree into a feed box for animals. The once beautiful tree was not covered with gold or filled with treasure. He was coated with sawdust and filled with hay for hungry farm animals. The second tree smiled when the woodcutter took him to a shipyard, but no mighty sailing ships were being made that day. Instead, the once strong tree was hammered and sawed into a simple fishing boat. Too small and too weak to sail an ocean or even a river, he was taken to a little lake. Every day, he brought in loads of dead, smelly fish. The third tree was confused when the woodcutter cut her into strong beams and left her in a lumber yard. What happened, the once tall tree wondered. All I ever wanted to do was stay on the mountaintop and point to God. Many, many days and nights passed. The three trees nearly forgot their dreams. But one night, golden starlight poured over the first tree as a young woman placed her newborn baby in the feed box. I wish I could make a cradle for him, her husband whispered. The mother squeezed his hand and smiled as the starlight shone on the smooth and sturdy wood. This manger is beautiful, she said. And suddenly, the first tree knew he was holding the greatest treasure in the world. One evening, a tired traveler and his friends crowded into the old fishing boat. The traveler fell asleep as the second tree quietly sailed out into the lake. Soon, a thundering and thrashing storm arose. The little tree shuddered. He knew he did not have the strength to carry so many passengers safely through the wind and rain. The tired man awakened. He stood up, stretched out his hand, and said, Peace. The storm stopped as quickly as it had begun. And suddenly the second tree knew he was carrying the king of heaven and earth. One Friday morning, the third tree was startled when her beams were yanked from the forgotten woodpile. She flinched as she was carried through an angry, jeering crowd. She shuddered when soldiers nailed a man's hands to her. She felt ugly and harsh and cruel. But on Sunday morning, when the sun rose and the earth trembled with joy beneath her, the third tree knew that God's love had changed everything. It had made the first tree beautiful. It had made the second tree strong. And every time people thought of the third tree, they would think of God. That was better than being the tallest tree in the world. A tale of three trees. Jesus Christ, miraculously conceived, lived a life that was absolutely perfect. And he died on a tree. And everything went dark on that afternoon. Because it was an extraordinary death. on his body he took on the sins of all humanity from times past in that time present and time into the future it was ugly and it was dark but Jesus Christ said something when he was living 
He declared that he himself was the light of the world. And God raised him from the grave. And Jesus Christ came up out of the dark. And he is the light of the world today. No matter how dark our world is or becomes, Jesus Christ is always the light of the world. And for every person that believes Jesus Christ in what he did on that cross and in his resurrection, every person then has the light of Christ in them. On October 11th, 2021, my family, which had not yet expanded with Miles, went to Maine. And we were able to hang out at a lake called Moosehead Lake. And we had an Airbnb that we rented. And when we arrived that night, that afternoon, into the night, there was a deck that surrounded the house. And there was a fire pit out in the yard. And it was surrounded by the tallest of trees. And I wrote in my journal... It was so dark, it just looked like there were millions of stars. And I laid down on my back on the side of the deck and just quietly lingered under the stars, gazing and thinking on the beauty of the one who created Could we this Christmas season have increased moments of lingering, cherishing, and pondering the one who became a curse for us on a tree so that we might live the brightest and most joyful of lives from the inside out? One of our favorite traditions as a church and in so many churches this Christmas season will be the lighting of candles. And we do that to think about Jesus Christ, the light of the world. But for those who know Jesus, what God said is that we're to let our light shine and to glorify him just like we've sang so far tonight. So I'm going to light the first candle, and then I'll light one over here, and I'll light one here and one here. And you can just be seated as the lights come back to you, or whenever it's appropriate and we sing, you can stand. But the light will make its way to you. And there's a beautiful symbol happening here. Each time we pass that light represents each time we pass the light and somebody else comes and believes what Jesus did on that tree. And then they have the light in them. And then it passes on to someone else and to someone else. We want to pass the light on. That's the most meaningful and significant thing in this Christmas season. Is Jesus Christ the light of the world.